Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen, the best co-host in the world. You're not even the best co-host on Just Keep Rolling. Only because we're tied. Yeah, sure. That's that's why. Mm-hmm. It is why. Sure. It is. Allow me to introduce you to your podcasters. Us. Ellen, the punny, nitpicky, know-it-all host. Katie, the hilarious, potty-mouthed, snarky host. And seven times Harry Potter trivia winners. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ellen, the co-host with the most. And and how are you going to finish that? The most what? The most awesomest co-host ever. Katie, duh. Yeah, that sounds, sounds pretty okay. I'm Ellen, and live from my computer screen is Katie, the heir of Ritalin. Enemies of the air. Hey, let's go ride bikes. I didn't know you could ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm Katie, and the lying whore on my computer screen is Ellen. Did you just call me a lying whore? No. No, I said, I, I said, um, lion horror. Because you're, you're a scary lion. You know, rawr. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, then. That's, I'm sticking to that. That's what I'm going with. Let's just roll right into the rolling rehash. Last week, we finished Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And at first they were afraid. Some were petrified. Kept thinking, this is not a myth, the teachers must have lied. But then we spent so many nights wondering who the heir could be. Now I'm saving Ginny Weasley from a psychotic diary. Go on now, go. Onto the Potter pondering. I. Are you done yet? Yes. Thank God. I couldn't think of anything else to sing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, during episode 18, Ronchalance, we basically had three Potter ponderings. The first one was Who do you think Dumbledore's sources are when he mentions that his sources tell him Voldemort is currently hiding out in Albania? Samantha says that she's not sure, but is now picturing the scene from 101 Dalmatians with the chain of barking to relay a message. (laughs) He has referred to spies a few times, and supposes he could have had a Voldy watch party team set up that we were never introduced to. Anytime they hear whispers about mysterious dark magic happening, they report to Dumbledore. No one could actually see Voldemort at that point, since he was basically a spirit-type thing. So, yeah. Yeah, Carly says that he is omniscient, and this definitely solidifies her thoughts about that. She says, I can't really think of anyone else who would have told him, unless there was another Animagus, maybe McGonagall, who talked to animals around and found that there was a scary part of the forest, because Voldemort says when he comes back that Peter found him by talking to the rats in the forest. Dave thinks it was Snape, and if there was a double agent like Snape, there were probably more Death Eaters who might have had reason to keep Dumbledore in the know. He also said that creatures like centaurs and such keep their eyes peeled and know things. So he's sure he had other magical creatures keeping tabs on Voldy and reporting on suspicious activity around the world. Max has another larger theory that this ties into, about the likelihood of Quirrell going to Albania and happening upon Voldemort. He says... Hogwash. He was there looking for him and almost certainly reported back to Dumbledore that Voldemort was based there, concealing the truth that he had brought Voldemort with him. Being a teacher at Hogwarts for some time prior to becoming the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor means that he was probably involved with the Order of the Phoenix, giving a clear reason that Dumbledore would be keeping an eye on the area he allegedly found Voldemort. Even if my theory is incorrect, Quirrell starts wearing a turban when he returns from a sabbatical, a sabbatical in which he was rumored to have had an encounter with several dark creatures in the forests of Albania. Plenty of reason for Dumbledore to investigate or suspect Voldemort's presence in the area 
just because of the evidence tying the turban to Albania. Which is definitely a really interesting theory. Yeah, we don't really have that many details about Quirrell's backstory, so something like this could actually be a possible fit. For sure. We also had quite the discussion about house elves being freed by clothes and how that works and such, so we included that as an extra Potter pondering to get some other thoughts on it. Carly says that she has thought so much about how the house elves can't do laundry, but they have to because that's literally the worst chore. (laughs) She thinks if the master directly gives them something, then yes, they'd be free. However, picking up a laundry basket and doing it that way would be fine? She says she needs to know. Diana thinks it has to be passed directly from master to house elf. They definitely can do laundry. It's not like Bellatrix is going to wash her own fragile lace frocks. She would ruin them. She, she thinks as far as engineering their own freedom goes, it just doesn't occur to them. They're house elves. They serve. It's what they do. Setting up a way for the master to pass them clothes is more duplicitous than what a house elf is capable of. Dobby was already a super unusual house elf for his hand in trying to save Harry. And even then, he was only thinking about Harry. House elves are magically bound in such a way that going against their master is just not done. Tricking the master, just not done. My husband thinks that it works because it wasn't Lucius's sock. He discarded it because he didn't want it, so when Dobby received it, it became his. He thinks that since handing a house elf laundry isn't actually giving the way of clothes, it wouldn't count as giving them clothes. Samantha thinks that they have to be handed by the master also. She thinks the whole sock in the diary was kind of lame, really. Lucius didn't know he was handing Dobby clothes. She said, I don't think it should have counted. I mean, I'm glad it did, but still. Well, in the book, he did know he was tossing a sock off to the side. He was just kind of an idiot about it. In the movie, he didn't realize he was doing it at all. Yeah. Well, because it was in the book. Right. Like, in the book, he literally, a a sock went from his hand to Dobby's. Like, he got rid of the sock. He gave it away. He didn't want it. So it worked. That's what Len was saying. Yeah. But in the movie, he literally had no idea he was handing a sock to Dobby. So I feel like the movie made it even harder to swallow. Yeah. It was just very weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Quincy thinks that the specific piece of clothing must have purpose, otherwise it can set the elf free. He said, if I had a house elf, I would have to be clear and specifically say, do my laundry or fold my clothes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Seems logical, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and just for funsies, our other Potter pondering was, what do you think Hagrid would have named the werewolf cubs? Dave said that for some reason, Aragog sounds fancy, like Latiny or related to Arachnid. He thinks naming a dragon Norbert and a three-headed dog Fluffy is much more Hagrid-y. So whoever gave him Aragog must have told him what its name was. Then he suggests the baby werewolves would get named Howley, Gertrude, Cinnamon, or maybe Snuggles. Carly said, ahem. Fluffy, spots, socks, boots, spoon, fork, waffles. (laughs) Quincy said, clears throat dramatically and gaily, Fang. I don't know, I I think he might name one of them, like, Sparky. I think there would be a Sparky, a buddy, spot, maybe. Because we already had the three-headed... We already had a Fluffy and a Fang. Cerberus, essentially. Yeah, we had Fluffy... And so maybe he wanted to name it Spot, but it was already named Fluffy, you know? Yeah, maybe. So he picked that for the werewolf, or vice versa, would be the werewolf would be first. Yeah. Len suggested the names Cuddles, Wubbles, and Sprinkles. And I like those, but I'm also going to add on Wolfie, Mooney, and Scott. (laughs) Scott? It's the teen wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Okay. <laughs> Whew. Rolling on. Our trivia question was, the U.S. version of the Chamber of Secrets makes reference to Percy's sweater vest. What is it called in the British version? The American version says sweater vest. The British version says tank top. This became our trivia question because of all the differences in language. This one hit us as the most interesting. 
since what we think of as vests are tank tops and what we think of as tank tops are vests. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Congratulations goes to Carly Ferguson, who got it right on her second try. We also want to give a shout out to Dave Garza, who was literally seconds behind Carly with the right answer, and to Sam Jane and Jackson Miller, who also answered promptly, though not with the correct answer. Yeah, apparently this was a tough one. I'm still loving the fact that I have no idea who is actually going to answer these correctly. Like, every time one person starts to get a good streak going, someone else just swoops in and takes it away. It's so much fun how many people play along now. It's making me so happy to watch her keeper pool expand. Y'all are the best. Definitely. <laughs> We're going to just keep rolling into episode 37. This one doesn't focus on a chapter since we finished the second book, but instead, like we did with Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone, we are going to highlight our favorite moments from the episodes covering the second story and the differences between the American and British versions of the book. Chapter 1. The Worst Birthday we have the difference between top of the line versus top of the range. And that was in description of Harry's Nimbus 2000. I think we've actually seen this difference before, between two weeks and a fortnight. Mm-hmm. But in chapter one, Uncle Vernon was going on talking about nothing else but the dinner party with the Masons for two weeks in the American version and a fortnight in the British version. Mm-hmm. While Harry does all his chores, Dudley sits around and eats ice cream in the American version, or ice creams in the British version. It's interesting that it gets an S on the end. Mm-hmm. I kind of would like to put an S on the end, because then it makes me feel like I have plural of ice creams, and therefore there is more ice cream to eat. <laughs> it makes me kind of uncomfortable, if I'm being honest. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just not what we're used to. That's, I guess. Petunia has a loin of pork roast sizzling in the oven in the American version, and a joint of pork roast sizzling in the oven in the British version. And all Harry gets is a lump of bread and cheese. So lame. That sounds fair. Let's go into our favorite moments from episode 19. One is the part after Harry asked to let Hedwig out of her cage at night, and Vernon asks, Do I look stupid to you? With a bit of fried egg dangling from his bushy mustache. <laughs> Why, yes, bag of assholes, you do look quite stupid. Indeed. Pretending I don't exist sounds more to me like something the Dursleys made him repeat, because they ultimately wish he didn't exist. Purely out of the goodness of their assholes. <laughs> so Harry goes outside to wallow in his loneliness. He even sings a couple of bars of happy birthday to himself as he ruminates on just how much he misses Hogwarts and his friends. Poor, poor Harry. He's ronery. So ronery. <laughs> and kind of emo, too. In chapter two, Dobby's warning. Harry was realizing that staying at the Dursleys for another four weeks was nowhere near as bad as the shit Dobby was going through. In the American version, he said, and I thought I had it bad staying here another four weeks. But in the British version, it was, and I thought I was hard done by staying here another four weeks. When Harry says terms start, we lazy Americans probably just felt the need to drop the pesky extra syllable of the from September the 1st in the British version, or like I said, our lazy Americans said September 1st. Can't do those extra syllables. No. Ew. When Dobby was giving Harry his wide-eyed hint about he who must not be named, the American version said that Harry was completely lost, and the British version said he was completely at sea. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense still. I get it. I would be lost if I was at sea. Right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That checks out. As we mentioned before, Harry tells Dobby to hide in the closet in the American version and the wardrobe in the British version when Uncle Vernon starts coming up the stairs after Harry ruins his racist Japanese golfer joke. <sighs> Once they lock Harry in his bedroom, Aunt Petunia pushes canned soup through a cat flap in the American version and tinned soup through the cat flap in the British version. Neither version sounds very appetizing. Yeah, Hedwig wouldn't even eat it. That tells you something. Mm-hmm. 
And now here are some of our favorite moments from episode 20. And we learn that he is Dobby the house elf. And Harry points out that it isn't really a good time to have a house elf in his bedroom. Exactly when would be a good time to have a house elf in your bedroom, Harry? Next Tuesday at four. Does that work for you? I mean, beyond that, I'm gonna have to check my schedule. As he beats his head against the window and the wall and... To the window! (laughs) To the wall! (laughs) Dobby's eyes are like tennis balls! (laughs) (laughs) Well, that just happened. All these witches crawl. Let's just keep rolling. He has fed canned soup and probably more raw grilled cheese through a cat flap on his door. They are not gonna like his Yelp review, man. Like, this is why you should have booked on TripAdvisor. Right? It's the worst B&B ever. Seriously. Chapter 3. The Burrow. Harry's response to Ron when he lectures him about using magic outside of school as Ron is floating outside of Harry's window in a flying car was, you should talk, in the American version, versus, it's a bit rich coming from you, in the British version. I love that phrase, bit rich coming from you. We should make that a thing. Well, that's a bit rich coming from you. See, it works. <laughs> I should get some uh, some good use out of it. In the American version, I'm just going to keep on moving and pretend you didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Harry rolled down the car window. In the British version, he wound down the car window as they flew away from the Dursleys. Wound. Mm-hmm. To see the main road below, George peered through the windshield in the American version and the wind screen in the British version. Considering that to us, a screen allows air to pass through, I can see why they would change that one. Yeah, windscreen would probably have confused a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When they make it to the borough, there is a pile of boots in front of the front door. And in the American version, it's a pile of rubber boots. In the British version, it's a pile of Wellington boots. Do we not call them Wellington boots at all here? No. No, not at all. They're rain boots or rubber boots. I think they call them wellies in Britain. Hmm. Sometimes I like to call them duck boots. I still like wellies. That's just fun. When Ron is describing muggle garden gnomes, he says they're like fat little Santa Clauses in the American version and fat little Father Christmases in the British version. Father Christmases doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Santa Clauses. I don't think either of them does, really. No, those aren't really good pluralizing words. Neither is pluralizing as a word. (laughs) But here's our favorite moments from episode 21. However, Dobby is also kind of an asshole. Also probably a felon, considering tampering with the mail is a federal offense. And if you ask Mrs. Mason, so is plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. And if you ask Harry, so is framing someone for plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. And if you ask CPS, so is barring a child's windows for plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. Mommy, have you seen my jumper? Yes, dear, it was on the cat. Okay, side note, do the Weasleys even have a cat? Wouldn't be a good idea with Wormtail walking around. Right, I don't think the books ever mention it, but let's just go ahead and say they do. What was the jumper doing on the cat? Was the cat wearing the jumper? Using it as a blanket? Building a circus tent to entertain the mice with a garden gnome riding unicycle? Ooh, lure the mice in before eating them. Seriously, though, I I would imagine, like, a blanket. Like, the cat was probably just taking a nap. But that would make it the cat's pajamas. Oh, goddammit. And Fred yawns and says he's tired and going to head to bed, but Mrs. Weasley makes them denome the garden instead. There was a lot of rhymes in there. There was. <laughs> Fred and head to bed and denome the garden instead. You are right over there? Yeah. <laughs> I like rhymes. So, <laughs> in chapter four at Flourish and Blots, Percy pinned his prefix badge to his sweater vest in the American version, and to his tank top in the British version, which is interesting since what we consider a tank top is nothing at all like a sweater vest. Which was our trivia question. Indeed. And we mentioned this difference at the end of Philosopher's slash Sorcerer's Stone. In this chapter, it is in reference to how Ron is appalled at the fact that Hermione is very busy with schoolwork since they are on vacation 
in the American version, or holiday in the British version. Holiday. I'm going on holiday. Holiday. I am going on holiday. Yeah, yeah. Provided that Jamaica doesn't decide to say no Americans allowed. We shall see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. When Harry hid from the Malfoys in the cabinet at Borgen and Burke's, he pulled the doors closed in the American version versus pulled the doors to in the British version. Hagrid was brushing the soot off of Harry so forcefully that it nearly knocked him into a barrel of dragon dung outside an apothecary in the American version and an apothecary's in the British version. Since it's an apostrophe S, I wonder if it's like apothecary shop, but the shop was just implied. Yeah, could be. The trio go into a tiny junk shop and they see some lopsided scales in the American version and some wonky scales in the British version. I love wonky. I love that word. We admittedly don't really use that word here, but everybody knows what it means. Yeah. Some of these bother me just for how simple they could. Yeah, some of them didn't need to be changed. Yeah. After the brawl between Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley, it was a subdued group that headed back to the, in the U.S. version. And a subdued group who headed back in the British version. Just differences in grammar. Yep. And here are some of our favorite moments from episode 22. And I gotta say, Harry's face after watching Ron use the flu powder is hilarious. Like, and this is how I die. <laughs> like, I like my eyebrows. You do realize that fire just ate your son, right? Right? Nope. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> Harry sees a withered hand and reaches out to touch it, and it clamps down on his. Because that's what you do when you see a hand, is you put your hand in it. Especially with coronavirus going around. Right? Definitely. Touch all the hands. Though I do want to point out that in the books, Lucius does not work at the ministry. He's independently wealthy and doesn't have to work, so he just throws money around to influence people at the ministry, which would make the see you at work line inaccurate. Well, I mean, maybe he considers buying off politicians and schmoozing work. Like they say, pimping ain't easy. <laughs> yeah. Pimping ain't easy. Pimping ain't easy. Chapter 5, The Whomping Willow. When the Weasleys got up to get ready to go to King's Cross, they got up at dawn in the American version and cock crow in the British version. I honestly think, especially based on the smile on your face, that they just can't use the word cock nonchalantly or ronchalantly in America. <laughs> it says cock. <laughs> She's still laughing. And that's why. That's why we say Dawn. And let's just keep rolling. Mr. Weasley magically expanded the trunk in the American version and the boot in the British version to fit all of their luggage to get to the train station in the Ford Anglia. Ron tells Harry to check that no one's watching in the American version and check no one's watching in the British version before they take off flying in the Ford Anglia. Which in this instance, we have the extra syllable. Look at that. Huh. Who's cheating at Scrabble now? Right? Harry and Ron are almost to Hogwarts when jets of steam start streaming out from under the hood of the Anglia in the American version and the bonnet in the British version. Well, a bonnet is kind of like a hood, so, yeah. Right, it, it's totally kind of like a hood, but it still just will make me think of, like, in my Easter bonnet. <laughs> like, I'm, it's not going to make me think of a car. All right, Irving Berlin. Praise received from a random fifth-year Gryffindor for arriving to school in a flying car in the American version went, good for you. But in the British version, it was good on ya, which I like so much better. I wish they would have kept good on ya. I think we definitely would have understood that. It's not a phrase we really... That's not how we say it, though. No. But it's an unnecessary Americanization. Mm -hmm. Most of these really are, if we're being honest, but what are you going to do? And here are our favorite moments from episode 23. And after a good tree beating, the car eventually falls to the ground, at which point it magically restarts and backs out of reach before basically the whole tree comes down on them. A tree beating or a treating? Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. <laughs> it's a really good thing the car moved out of the way because they were almost tree-cafetated. All right, you know what? Get out. <laughs> this is my house. Plus, we're on Skype. Fine, end call. Or we could just keep rolling. 
But Filch tells them that they should take a good look around because it could well be the last time they see the castle. And then the movie... Castle. castle. Hmm, dear, we are in trouble. In trouble. <laughs> Sorry. You can't talk about Filch and not do the Filch voice. Just, right. <laughs> they rush upstairs to their dormitory, where they are greeted by Seamus. <laughs> Seamus? To avoid him, they rush upstairs to their dormitory, where they are greeted. <laughs> I can't even get through it now. It's the last fucking sentence. <laughs> That's the one we'll get you. Yep. Nope. <laughs> to avoid him, they rush upstairs to their dormitory, where. <laughs> <laughs> You had to imitate me because that's what I keep hearing is you making fun of me. <laughs> to avoid him, they rush upstairs to their dormitory where they are greeted by Sh <laughs> I got so close. <laughs> oh my god. Thank god we don't do this live. <laughs> if we did this live, you would have just had to go with the Seamus thing. <laughs> You just have to go with the shame. Right? <laughs> stop it. I'm never going to stop laughing. Seamus, Dean, and Neville, who are all quite awestruck. Well done. You did it. <laughs> In Chapter 6, Gilderoy Lockhart, we have another instance of schedules versus timetables when Professor McGonagall hands them out at breakfast on the first day of classes. So schedules is the American word. Timetables is the British word. And as Lockhart offers to pose for a double portrait with Harry for Colin Creevy, he says, can't do better in the American version, or can't say fairer in the British version. Yeah, I'm, we, the way we think of the word fair, I think, would confuse us on that one. Yeah. I agree. So, we've actually had this one before, too. In Philosopher slash Sorcerer's Stone, the difference of waste basket versus waste bin. In the American version, it was the waste basket. In the British version, it was the waste bin. One of the many things the Cornish Pixies upended after Professor Appendix released them. Ah, good old Professor Appendix. In the American version, poor Neville ended up hanging from the iron chandelier versus the British version that had him hanging from the candelabra. Thanks to said Cornish pixies, obviously. <laughs> Why is it always him? I know, poor Neville. Poor Neville. And here are our favorite moments from episode 24. And she says, and I quote, this is a direct quote from her, Grasp your mandrake. Giggity. <laughs> right it's dirty right it doesn't sound good it's so dirty <laughs> and then they show malfoy sort of tickling his mandrake giggity <laughs> <laughs> right i'm telling you it's all over in this chapter you know when he walks down the stairs talking about all the things that he doesn't talk about and stops to pose by the painting of himself painting a portrait of himself and wait ooh. Lockheartception. <laughs> Lockheart Artception. Lock <laughs> Chapter 7 Mudbloods and Murmurs. One of the things that Ron says about the use of the term mudblood is it's ridiculous in the American version or it's mad in the British version. I like mad personally, but. Me too. But we also use mad as angry so often too so yeah in the american version harry's jaw was cemented together by hagrid's treacle fudge but in the british version they called it treacle toffee hmm. ron said it took hours to get the slime off in the american version versus shift the slime in the british version of the special award for services to the school after he had another slug attack on it and here are our favorite moments from episode 25. Oh, Olive Herwood. How we've missed you. Oliver Wood. That's what I said. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's going on about the new regime, and, and I gotta say, I'd train earlier, harder, and longer with wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she steps in with her sass and her goddamn eyebrows. Oh my god. <laughs> Emma Watson, I love her to death. She really did grow on me as Hermione, but especially in the earlier movies... I can't get past her eyebrows. Like, she acts with her eyebrows. Oh, it bothers me so much. They're like epileptic <laughs> caterpillars hanging out yeah. over her eyes. Like, oh my god. All of her acting, all of her emotion is in her goddamn eyebrows, and I can't. Yeah. Mm, I've held this back for a yeah. really long time. Yeah. Can you let's, notice? Like, let's just keep rolling. I, but eyebrows. But Hagrid flat out says that there isn't a wizard alive today that is pure blood. Oh, and every time I see that part, I'm just sitting there like, wrong, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. So wrong, Hagrid. Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. Ginny was looking very pale in the American version and very peaky in the British version, when Percy bullied her into taking some pepper-up potion. The Slytherin team are described as looking like green missiles in the American version versus green jump jets in the British version on their Nimbus 2001 broomsticks. Yeah, I didn't even know what a jump jet was before this, so... Mm-hmm. Same here. That would have confused me. Yep. Nearly Headless Nick tells Harry that Filch is in an extra bad mood because he's got the flu in the American version, and he's got flu in the British version. Hmm. Hermione says it's awful trying to have a pee in the American version versus go to the loo in the British version when trying to use Moaning Myrtle's bathroom when she is in there wailing. Probably why people don't usually go in there. Yeah. And here are our favorite moments from episode 26. While I would never complain about getting to see more of Fred and George's antics, I gotta say, I kind of feel bad for the salamander. Like, it ended up emitting sparks and whizzing around the room, and I just, I hope it was okay. Poor little Sally. <laughs> I think your Slytherin is showing. <laughs> yeah, I may be more inclined to stick up for poor defenseless reptiles, despite being scared shitless of them. I still think it would have been funny to see. Sounds like your Gryffindor is showing. But it would have been. In the movie, Hermione says it's written in blood. The book does not specify at this point what it's written in, but it does later on reference red paint, and we'll talk more about that then, but it's not written in blood in the book. I want to know how Hermione can tell that it's just written in blood. Like, did she taste it? Like, who's to say it's not finger paint? Maybe she could smell it? it smells like pennies. <laughs> honestly considering the fact that they cut out the majority of this chapter the movie had a really good flow unlike the last movie where hermione randomly ends up in the library suddenly knowing all about nicholas fucking flamel right holy shitty segue batman <laughs> chapter nine the writing on the wall ron tells Ginny, you haven't really got to know Mrs. Norris in the American version versus hadn't really got to know Mrs. Norris in the British version in a failed attempt to comfort her when she was seemingly very disturbed about her being petrified. Seemingly being the key word. Mm -hmm. Because that's not why she was actually upset. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Ron also continues on and refers to the person who did it as a maniac in the American version and a nutter in the British version, saying that they'll figure out who it is and have him out in no time, and he also adds that he hopes he has time to petrify Filch before he's expelled. Moaning Myrtle was floating above the tank in the American version versus the cistern in the British version of the toilet for the first time the trio goes to speak to her in the bathroom. And here are our favorite moments from episode 27. The look of borderline manic joy on Filch's face when he tells Harry he'll kill him is one of the many amazing nuances David Bradley brings to Filch, honestly. And, coincidentally, it's also why I would shit myself if I ever ran into him in a dark alley. For reals. <laughs> Lucky for Harry, they weren't in a dark alley, and Dumbledore showed up 
before Filch could actually kill him. Yeah, Dumbledore sauntering in like, August, I... Like, how was that sentence gonna end? August, I noticed some water on the floor. Be a love and get the mop. <laughs> August, I noticed you left dinner before dessert, so I've brought you a pudding. <laughs> or maybe it was, August, I was wondering if you had some time to practice our duet for Snape's karaoke party tonight. <laughs> Be a love. A pudding. <laughs> karaoke party. <laughs> Holy balls, you're right there. <laughs> just crying. Just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. <laughs> Though it was fantastic when he announced that she was just petrified, and Lockhart says it was so unlucky he wasn't there because he knows just the counter curse that could have saved her. <laughs> right? The teachers just look at Lockhart like, bitch, you couldn't save a seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hermione raises her hand again and asks what is meant by the horror within. And we learn that the Chamber of Secrets houses a monster. Well, of course the chamber is the home of a monster. It would have been a really shitty and disappointing story if it was the home of, like, a pack of fluffy bunnies or the home of Salazar's collection of turtlenecks or the home of the Whopper or some shit like that. (laughs) Speaking of Whoppers, (laughs) rumor has it that Salazar Slytherin was actually referring to his pants as the Chamber of Secrets (laughs) because they too contain a very large monster. Is that so? It has also been said that Godric Gryffindor named them the Chamber of Secrets because no one but Salazar himself had ever been in them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. In chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger, Dumbledore wretched the camera out of petrified Colin's hands in the American version and prized it out in the British version. I like prized better. Wretched sounds weird. I don't know. Well, it looks like wretched, too. Yeah, there's that, too. Speaking of prized, Dumbledore also opened the back of the camera in the American version and prized open the back of the camera in the British version to reveal a hiss of steam and burnt film. And here are our favorite moments from episode 28. Because if Ron had turned Scabbers into a furry goblet in the book, McGonagall would have likely have had to use a spell to revert him to his original form, which would have returned him to his Peter form. (laughs) Peter form sounds dirty. I phrased it just like that for you. (laughs) You know me so well. (laughs) God, what a tool. Are we insulting tools by calling him that? I mean, tools actually serve a functional purpose. That's true. What's something that doesn't serve a purpose? Um, oh, oh, I know, an appendix. He's the appendix of the wizarding world. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> there we go. In both, Draco is amused by Harry's bludger dodging and asks if he's training for the ballet. Draco really needs to work on his smack talk. Like, seriously, Scarhead, training for the ballet, like, solid burn, dude. Yeah, he seems to be lacking the sassy pants. However, the ballet comment was so random, it kind of makes me wonder if that's what he secretly desired. What, to be a ballerina? Ballerino. Maybe. I mean, Nazi von Douchebag the first would never let that happen, though. So instead, Draco puts on his sassy tutu and attempts some half-hearted hairy humiliation. <laughs> Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. You stayed the same. Yes, congratulations, Chapter 11. You stayed the same. Well done for being dumb enough for us Americans to understand without any editing. <laughs> but here are our favorite moments from episode 29. As Ron is asking who Moaning Myrtle is, she makes her appearance and regales us with disparaging comments, a lot of wailing, and an extreme self-inflicted swirly. Which, ten points across the board. Eh, I'd give her a 9-5, but don't tell her that, because she's a little sensitive. He casts a charm on the snake, sending it flying into the air, and succeeding only in pissing off the snake. I mean, hissing off the snake. Ugh. <laughs> In the movie, the extremely pissed off... Pissed off? Yeah, I'm not saying that. Also, in the book, Harry actually confronts them. Like, clears his throat and steps out and just, like, shocks them. Mm Mm-hmm. Surprise, motherfucker! All lies, motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) 
Am I the only one disturbed by Hagrid saying Harry looked hot and bothered? No. I mean, hot and bothered can also mean frustrated or irritated, but pulling a boner can also mean making a silly mistake, and that saying has pretty much gone the wayside. So maybe using hot and bothered to mean frustrated should too. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Sorry, you said pulling a boner. (laughs) Chapter 12, Polyjuice Potion. Hiding Crab and Goyle is by far the hardest part in the American version, and much the most difficult bit in the British version. And that just sounds so British. (laughs) Much the most difficult bit. That does sound so British. Much the most difficult bit. I like it. Also, they described hiding them in the closet in the American version and the cupboard in the British version. When they get to the bathroom to get ready to take that polyjuice potion, the potion is glutinous in the cauldron in the American version and treacle thick in the British version. Which... I don't know that I would know what a treacle, what treacle looked like off the top of my head for that description. Back then, I wouldn't have known. Like when I was first reading this right. book. Right, I don't, like I wouldn't now, have but yeah. Yeah. The first time around. And plus, glutinous just sounds so much more gross, so I like it better as a descriptor yeah. for polyjuice potion, honestly. It's a ugh sounding word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Ron, or as we like to call him at this point in the story, Rab, reacts to the news that Malfoy has no idea who opened the Chamber of Secrets with his jaw dropping open. It makes Crab look even more clueless in the American version and gormless in the British version. Gormless is a good word. It just doesn't really get used in America. In all honesty, I've never heard it before. Oh, really? I may have heard it before, but I don't, I don't think it's one of those words I ever actively like processed in my head you know what i mean yeah it's not a common word we know clueless though we had the movie what right and here are some favorite moments from episode 30 i love that hermione appears to just have two loose cupcakes in her bag well where do you keep your cupcakes in my belly (laughs) certainly not loose in my bag it doesn't weird me out that much but i've definitely kept stranger things in my bag Also, Draco is really working his eyebrows in this movie. Taking lessons from Hermione, maybe? Yeah, maybe he called her Brow Guy. Why would he call her Brow Guy? That's a terrible nickname. No, he doesn't call her Brow Guy. He calls her Brow Guy. We're literally saying the same thing. No, I'm talking about her Brow Guy. I, he, not her... Mm, forget it. Just keep rolling. <sighs> Whatever. Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary. The name of a variety store on Vohall Road in the American version and a newsagent's on Vohall Road in the British version is what is printed on the back cover of Riddle's Diary. And here are our favorite moments from episode 31. But Movie Ron was well beyond burping slugs. Yeah, it was more like digestive pyrotechnics. (laughs) Right? Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Lockhart also decides that everyone needs a morale booster and sets up this ridiculous Valentine's Day surprise that involves a lot of lurid pink flowers, matching pink robes, and singing Valentine dwarfs dressed like cupids. God, that sounds like my hell. And suggests asking Professor Snape about how to whip up a love potion. Oh, no, that sounds like my hell. <laughs> I don't blame you. But then the teachers have to deal with the dwarfs dressed like cupids interrupting their classes with singing valentines all day. And as a teacher, that would be my hell. Daughter and slaughtered kind of rhymes. And for some reason that bothers the shit out of me. Like, she was not slaughtered on a boat. She was not slaughtered by a goat. She was not slaughtered with a shoe. She was slaughtered in the loo. (laughs) (laughs) Or... She was not slaughtered in a van. She was slaughtered in the can. Not with a wand. Not with a stake. She was slaughtered with a snake. (laughs) She could not, should not look in its eyes. That was not, was not very wise. She's now a ghost that haunts the loo. And makes it hard for you to poo. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Seuss ain't got nothing on you. You too. This is still rhyming. Are we through? 
It seems like something we should do. I don't know. Can you stop? I mean, you started the rhyming. It's true. Stop that rhyming now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Let's just keep rolling. Chapter 14. Cornelius Fudge. Ron says Riddle sounds like Percy and wants to know who asked him to squeal on Hagrid in the American version and to grass on Hagrid in the British version, which is a fun bit of British slang. I had never heard that one until reading the British version of the book. I haven't either. That's, that's a new one for me, actually. Yeah, grass on. Or maybe I've heard it and just didn't understand what they were saying. Right, who knows? <laughs> we think <laughs> about our, impossible. you know, the green stuff on our tree lawn. Yeah. (laughs) When the second years were picking their classes for third year, Harry ended up picking the same subjects as Ron, feeling that if he was lousy at them, in the American version, or rubbish at them, in the British version, at least he'd have someone friendly to help him. And here are our favorite moments from episode 32. But in a shocking turn of events, the book actually had Hermione point out that the monster had killed someone, not Harry, like the movie did. I feel like at this point, it's just Hermione's comeuppance for all the lines she's stolen. True. No one can deny that she's guilty of Grand Theft Audio. Grand Theft Audio? Really? Speaking of crimes, that pun was so bad it should be illegal. Then cuff me, because I ain't taking it back. Grand Theft Audio. (laughs) No one is allowed to use the bathroom unaccompanied by a teacher. Which is a super awkward rule, because I get really pee-shy. TMI, Katie. I'm just saying! Like, having a teacher hanging out in the bathroom when I'm trying to go would be just as bad as moaning Myrtle. And don't even get me started on if I needed to poo. Oh, I won't. I won't get you started. (laughs) If it turns out it wasn't Hagrid, he'll be back with no more said, but he's gotta take him. He says he's gotta take him in the movie, too. Yeah, and in both, poor Hagrid is like, take me, take me where? Take me home tonight. I don't want to let you go till you see the light. (laughs) But really, it's Azkaban. Chapter 15. Aragog. Snape had to walk them to Herbology. In the American version, they marched. In the British version, they went crocodile fashion. And from what I gather, crocodile fashion just means in a straight line. But I've definitely not heard that until now. Hmm. That's interesting. Never heard that either. They say that crocodiles can only travel in a straight line, so maybe that's where that comes from. Maybe. That if you're running from a crocodile, you're supposed to zigzag run? Confuses Mm -hmm. them, because they can't change directions. I don't know how true that is, though. But that's all I got. This next part was actually just worded differently. In the American version, a second later, Harry spotted something. Several large spiders were scuttling over the ground on the other side of the grass, moving in an unnaturally straight line as though taking the shortest route to a prearranged meeting. Harry hit Ron over the hand with his pruning shears, versus the British version where a second later Harry spotted something that made him hit Ron over the hand with his pruning shears. Apparently the British version didn't feel like it needed to be nearly as wordy. Yeah, that was a lot more words in the American version. (laughs) Right? In the American version, Harry pointed out the spiders following their progress with his eyes screwed up against the sun versus Harry was pointing at the ground a few feet away. Several large spiders were scurrying across the earth. In the American version, Harry's eyes narrowed as he focused on the spiders. If they pursued their course, there would be no doubt about where they would end up versus the British version where Harry watched the spiders running away. (laughs) And significantly so here. Yeah, that was quite a drop of some words there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the American contract just, like, paid by the word? Maybe. At the end of this chapter, and Harry says that Hagrid was innocent, Ron snorts. Because hatching Aragog in a cupboard wasn't Ron's idea of being innocent in the American version. In the British version... It says hatching Aragog out in a cupboard. Sure. Which just seems like a couple of extra out in. Yeah. I mean, like, I know he comes out of the egg, but he's still in the cupboard. Yeah. It's just inside, outside, upside down. It seems like a lot. Sure. But here are our favorite moments from episode 33. 
They eventually find two lone spiders, which is extremely different from the what thousands of spiders they're following in the movie. How many spiders would you say were there? Well, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I do believe that the technical term is a fuck ton of spiders. Hey, what's scarier than a giant fuck off spider? I don't know. What is scarier than a giant fuck off spider? Whatever the hell a giant fuck off spider is scared of. Yeah. And as Ron says he thinks they're in the clear, the hitchhiking fuck-off spider reaches in through the apparently open window and grabs Ron around the neck. Ron, you never say you're in the clear. That's like saying, what's the worst that could happen? Or, I'll be right back, because you won't be right back. They're never right back. They're never never right back. Mm Mm-mm, never. Chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets. Professor McGonagall tells the students that their exams will take place as usual, and she expects that they are studying hard in the American version and revising hard in the British version. Down in the chamber, Harry tells Rod and Lockhart to shut their eyes right away at any sign of movement in the American version and straight away in the British version. I weirdly prefer straight away. I mean, again, like, either way, it makes sense. Why would they have changed it? I agree. Here are some of our favorite moments from episode 34. And then Lockhart walks up like Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton, you know. What did I miss? (laughs) Also, his salmon-colored suit makes him look even more like an appendix. Oh yeah, that was an awful, awful colored suit. Was that a stutter or were you just emphasizing how awful it was? No, it was two different words. Awful, awful. That sounds the same to me. Awful, awful. Yeah, still the same. Then it was an awful entrail and internal organs of an animal-colored suit. Oh! Awful. Yeah, that's awful. Also, Ron actually describes the snakeskin as being 60 feet long, so obviously the movie didn't think a 20-foot nope rope was scary enough. (laughs) Nope rope. (laughs) Lockhart is playing with a rock and seems drunk and high after he loses his mind. Then Ron takes the rock from him and just clocks him over the head with it. Movie Ron is stone cold. It really is. Chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. The face on the statue of Salazar Slytherin down in the chamber is described as looking monkeyish in the American version and monkey-like in the British version. And again, like we couldn't have figured that one out? <laughs> when Moaning Myrtle tells Harry that he could have shared her toilet if he died... Ron says Myrtle's grown fond of Harry in the American version and Myrtle's got fond of Harry in the British version. I do think I like grown fond better here. I kind of do too. Even in just the sense of it flows better. Yeah. Like got fond is ah ah. Ah ah. (laughs) Got fond. It just, it's awkward. It's robot laughter. Ah 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 ah. (laughs) (laughs) That being said... Let's go on to our favorite moments from episode 35. And this is when Book Harry full-on buttons up his sassy Gryffindor pants, <laughs> calling her his common muggle-born mother and adding on that he's seen the real Voldemort. He's a wreck, barely alive, in hiding, ugly, and foul. Bam! Take that, Riddle! Shit! And just like in the movie, the statue begins to move. Something is stirring inside the opening mouth and hashtag, that's not his tongue. Ew, that's dirty. Riddle comments on how it's funny what a silly little book can do in the hands of a silly little girl. And Harry grabs the diary from Ginny's arm. He opens it and plunges the basilisk fang right into a blank page. How about what a silly little book can do in the hands of a dying boy who's got nothing left to lose, Tommy? (laughs) (laughs) Tommy. Chapter 18, Dobby's Reward In the American version, Mr. Malfoy almost knocked Harry over as he swept into the room. Dobby went scurrying after him, crouching at the hem of his cloak, a look of abject terror on his face. The elf was carrying a stained rag with which he was attempting to finish cleaning Mr. Malfoy's shoes. Apparently, Mr. Malfoy had set out in a great hurry, for not only were his shoes half-polished, but his usually sleek hair was disheveled. Ignoring the elf bobbing apologetically around his ankles, he fixed his cold eyes upon Dumbledore. So, he said, you've come back. 
The governor suspended you, but you still saw fit to return to Hogwarts. But in the British version, we skip a lot of that, and we just say, Mr. Malfoy almost knocked Harry over as he swept into the room. Dobby went scurrying in after him, crouching at the hem of his cloak, a look of abject terror on his face. So, said Lucius Malfoy, his cold eyes fixed on Dumbledore, you've come back. The governor suspended you, but you still saw fit to return to Hogwarts. Again, the British version was feeling significantly less wordy. Oh, significantly. Yes. They really just cut out the part where Dobby is full-on portrayed as a slave. That I would want a reason on why it was cut out. Yeah, why the change? Here are some of our favorite moments from episode 36. In the movie, Dumbledore says, I sense that something is troubling you, Harry. Hmm, let's see. Now, aside from the fact that I've been branded a psycho all year, and I've had to escape and or kill giant fuck-off spiders and a big-ass venomous nope-rope, only to be saved from certain death by a semi-sentient car and a crybaby bird with a spontaneous combustion problem, respectively, let's also add in the fact that the guy who fucking murdered my parents and tried to murder me when I was a baby just doubled down by trying to murder me, for the third time, I might add, and my best friend's sister. I brought her, her brother, and the useless piece of shit you hired to teach one of the most important classes all back up out of the chamber y'all have been searching for for 50 goddamn years just so you could sit me in your office and make me sweat about being expelled when really you're giving me some bullshit award and a pat on the back? Nah, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Do you feel better now? A little. (laughs) That felt really nice. (laughs) (laughs) and ron says shame he was starting to grow on me as he helps himself to a jam donut (laughs) and i don't know why that's so funny but like the jam donut just really clinches it it's that nonchalance that ron ron nonchalance (laughs) not sorry not sorry i'm pretty sure we just got our episode title (laughs) ron nonchalance Shame, he was starting to grow on me. And that will bring us to our Potter Pondering this week, which is what were your favorite parts from the episodes covering Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Head to our Facebook page, we'll have a post up for that, and you can share your thoughts with us. Help us figure out if there are things we can do better, or if there are things that you like and we can do again, but different. Yeah, do all the things. (laughs) All the things. And this week's Sorting Hat story is from Kia Kalu. I'm a Slytherin. My wand is cherry wood with a dragon heartstring core, 12 and a half, and slightly yielding flexibility. And my Patronus is a great gray owl. I was about 10 years old when I read my first book. It was Goblet of Fire, and it was my sister's book, which I found while I was sneaking in her bedroom. Two days and I was finished with it. I went like the next day to the library to borrow the other ones, and after that, I was all about Harry Potter. Thank you for sharing your story, Kia. I love that sneaking into your sister's room led to a love of Harry Potter. Right? (laughs) Thank you again. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length, how you got into Harry Potter, and, you know, anything else that you might want to share with us. And that'll bring us to this week's trivia question. In Prisoner of Azkaban, what was the title of Harry's History of Magic essay? The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word, hashtag holiday homework, will get a bitch is a witch, mafuckers a wizard, a just keep rolling, a that's not how it happened in the book, that's not how it happened in the movie, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page, then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. If you'd like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. 
You can also go to our website at justkeeprolling.com to check out our Just Keep Rolling and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale, including our equality line that we will donate the proceeds from to the Trevor Project and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Join us next week when we start Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban with Chapter 1, Owl Post, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.